Welcome to the Seven Figure Girls Podcast, where we live, laugh, learn, and embrace the wisdom of everyday women doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Katrina the Hurricane. Let's get ready to learn, grow, and crown. All right. Hello, everybody out there in podcasting land. This is a very special episode of Seven Figure Girl Podcast. So I don't know how many of you know, but October happens to be Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And this was a month that was established in 1988 to really bring awareness to the different things that happen in women's lives. We don't share this enough. And so a friend and I were talking and we both came up with the idea of like, we need to discuss this topic a little bit more. So I want to take this time to introduce you to a fabulous, wonderful, absolutely beautiful friend of mine, Keisha Matthew. Let me tell you a little bit about Keisha. I love me some Keisha. DJ Keisha, I call her. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Me and Keisha go back to college at Illinois State University. And I don't know, Keisha, we just gravitated towards each other. And we've been together ever since. (laughs) destiny. Yes. So a little about Keisha. She is a mental health professional. She has a master's in social work. She is a community activist, and she is a wife and mother of two. And so one of the things in common about us, how we met is, and I don't even remember exactly how we met, but I know we were both in Black Writers Forum, ISU, holla. Hey. <laughs> so we both have a love of writing and being creative and we have more things in common than that we just we just flow i swear yes Parallel all right times, all the time exactly so everybody welcome keisha matthew Woo! thank you yes yeah, so thank you so much for uh doing this interview so like i said um keisha and i for some reason we just mesh on so many things but Unfortunately, we have something in common. Um, we both have experienced pregnancy, infant loss during, um, in our lives. And so the other day when Chrissy Teigen posted that she lost her son, um, we both just kind of reached out. I think Keisha reached out to me and she said something. And I was like, this is something we really need to talk about because we've talked about it with each other, but not enough women not enough people talk about it and share it. And I got a little upset because um, I was telling Keisha about this, how, you know, Chrissy Teigen posted on her um, Instagram and People Magazine reposted it. And people were saying, well, why is she sharing this information? This is private information. And I'm like, why not share it? And so me and Keisha are like, "We, we need to really say something about this. And just to know that, you know, one in four pregnancies end in loss, and it's higher among African-American women, um, we really need to discuss and share this. So, Keisha, um, I want to open the floor to you to discuss. So, when was your loss? Um, It was December 1st, 2013. Um, You want me to go into the story? Yeah. Yeah. I was 19 weeks pregnant, uh, and we were about to find out what the gender was. Um, that that day, we had took family pictures for you know our Christmas card, and you know the day before, 
And then that day, you know, I just went to the restroom and I noticed, you know, something clear coming out that looked like a sack. And that was, that of course scared me like, what, what's, what is this? Cause I didn't feel anything. So then I'm, you know, calling uh, my husband to come to the bathroom and, you know, of course panic ensued, right? So then we called the ambulance and they came to get me and the feeling was just like disbelief, of course, shock. Um, and then just feeling kind of like I was having the outer, outer body experience. So an embarrassment to having to come out of our building and ambulance. I've never been in the ambulance for myself. Um, so that was just like uncomfortable to be in that position. But <clears throat> going to the hospital, of course, produced more trauma. Uh, just how sometimes black women are treated in you know the hospital setting. Um, <clears throat> that was a lot because it was kind of going back like feeling like there is some hope or they were checking, my cervix had expanded. Um, and I had a history of like fibroids too that had calcified. And I think in retrospect, I think maybe that put pressure. I don't know, because, you know, I just, I had my daughter and that was a lot, you know, just dealing with fibroids, but, you know, everything seemed to have been fine. She's fine and everything. So, um, they had to put like a little tablet, and this may sound graphic to people. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, disclaimer on that. I, you know, I won't go in full, full detail. Just being cautious of like this could be a triggering for some people. Um, but yeah, they they put a little tablet in me to like start the process of like just having the baby because my cervix had been. They were, you know, it had ruptured, uh, the sac had ruptured, my cervix was open, so germs and everything was already compromised in the pregnancy. Um, so then, yeah, I just, I had to give birth knowing that I wasn't going to be taking our son home. So that was, that was a lot. Uh, and then just, just the suddenness of the whole situation, like, okay, our daughter's in school, right? You know, in daycare, he... You know, all the stuff you think about that's like, just kind of like a routine, but you don't think about like, this is happening to me. It's just kind of like trying to still go through the motions of things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, when I think back to that, uh, the, the resident, he wasn't even like a doctor yet. Resident, you know, with his insensitive comments about like, oh, you know, you were going to such and such hospital. I don't know why you didn't come here, you know, in the middle of this happening, like, mm -hmm. like, it's almost like as if he was blaming me, like, if you would have came here, this probably wouldn't be happening. Um, but anyway, the moment where we got to hold him, and we named him Khalil, that was the name that I was thinking of naming him, because, you know, our daughter has the, the S sound, because my husband's name sounds like S, and it was, you know, Khalil was going to be for me. Um, you know, holding him and just, yeah, being completely sad about the whole thing because, you know, we were hoping for a baby, you know, like, you know me, I'm like a chemist, like, okay, what do I need to do? I get all the books about, you know, natural gender selection. 
And to find out at that moment, like, wow, uh, we, you know, this is our son mm-hmm. and we can't take him with us. Um, that, so that's, you know, that's the day that, that, that is what happened that day. Um, did you have any other questions? Yeah, well, you know, how, how did it feel? Because I know um, Christy Teigen posted again the next day that, you know, she never imagined leaving a hospital without a baby. Yeah, that was tough because I had to stay at the hospital by myself. Now that I remember, uh, still like hoping and waiting. That's before it all happened. And then, you know, Syriac had to go get Sunny and everything. So I was in the hospital by myself, just like praying and hoping like this is not happening. Please don't let this be happening. So to have that time by myself, that was that was hard, but you know, not having that emotional uh, comfort because we are, you know have a child at home that needed to know, and then trying to like figure out, man, we're we gonna have to explain this to our three year old. You know, all of that was just too much. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting lost in, in memory. So your question was, how did I feel? Yeah, like, well, you kind of answered it, not knowing yeah, knowing shock. that you were leaving the hospital without bringing a baby home. Complete shock and like, what did I do? Why is this happening to me? I thought I did everything. I prepared for this. I did not prepare for this. Like, what is this? Why? What is the cervix opening? Like, you know, mm-hmm. so of course it just had me thinking like, oh, this is the spot that I didn't look at, you know, thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, I overlooked this. Um, but yeah, shock and just, you know, mad at myself, just like my body kind of betrayed me, you know, all of those thoughts. So Yeah, and my, my experience was a little different because I had a first trimester miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was stressed out. I was traveling a lot for work. And, you know, like in the first trimester, they'd like try to put off your first appointment till you're like closer to the end, you know, to be able to hear the heartbeat and get a good sonogram and all that. And so for some odd reason in my area, like it is hard to get an obstetrician. <laughs> I, I called like seven different people. Oh, she's not taking, you know, patients until, you know, January. I'm like, um, this is October. <laughs> Like, I'm going to be further along, but I like, I need to know some things now. And so I actually found um, a Black obstetrician and nice. she was taking patients. And I was like, yes, okay. I'm like, you know, affiliated with my hospital. My gynecologist was like, oh yeah, I've heard of her. She's really good and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, great. To me, it, you know, it was all working out. Um, but like, you know, I have a son also. And so, but I had him. He was 15 at the time. So I had him 15 years before. And so I'm like, my pregnancy symptoms were just so different. Um, Mm -hmm. Like with him, I had no morning sickness at all whatsoever. With this one, I was gaining weight quickly. And I was like, I was always nauseous. Whenever I ate, I would get nauseous. And so, you know, I'm thinking everything is going along. I'm traveling, I'm working, you know, except for like the emotional stress that was going on in my relationship at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like secure in the fact that, oh, I'm going to have a baby. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fine. And so when I get to one doctor and 
she's like, oh, your progesterone levels. And that's another thing when you got to learn about yeah, your, yeah. your levels. Oh my God, I remember hearing that all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's like, your progesterone levels are really high to be this early in a pregnancy. And, you know, oh, the, you know, everything's looking good and blah, blah, blah. And so I remember the time I was traveling, I had to travel one week home and then I was traveling again. And so that week in between travel, um, I had my first appointment and she was like, you know, <clears throat> they confirmed the pregnancy. I, you know, did my pap. I did everything. Everything came back all good, all clear. You know, everything's okay. So the week after that second business trip, I was supposed to go in for my sonogram and hear the heartbeat and everything. And so they were like, okay, we don't hear a heartbeat. And I'm like, I'm about 10 weeks at this point. I think I was like nine or 10 weeks. And so she was like, you know what, we're going to send you across the street. You know, they have a lot better equipment. So we're going to let them decide like how things are going. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing the sonogram. I did a vaginal and um, one on top. And she was like, was this a natural pregnancy? I'm like, yeah. She just like, the technician is just asking me all these questions. And I'm like, well, why are you asking me all this? And she never said anything. Whatever she saw on that screen, she did not tell me. She just kept asking me these questions. And so then I go home that night and my doctor, my uh, obstetrician calls. She's like, are you driving? I said, no. She's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, yes. She was like, so you're having twins. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, that's I was funny. like, that's why I was gaining so much weight. And this, this, you know, the symptoms were like different and everything. She said, so <clears throat> it's a viable pregnancy. She was like, we're going to put you on this. She was like, fulfill the prescription. You know, we called it in. She was like, she said, you know, your weeks are a little off, but she was like, uh, we're going to do this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so she told me, like, she said, well, we just want to test your levels. So she said, I'm going to send you for blood work every other day. So every other day I had to go to the every lab. Every other day. Every other day. Jeez. And I said, maybe that's why my progesterone was so high in the mm. beginning, because it was twins. And like, so nobody could tell. And so I was like, Okay. And so I go on my second business trip. I'm in St. Louis and about six o'clock that night, I get a call and she was like, okay, we've been monitoring you all week. She said, your progesterone levels have gotten significantly lower every test. So she said, you're probably going to miscarry, miscarry within the next week or two. Oh my gosh. I'm like, okay. And so the funny thing is um, the lab technician gave me a disc with the sonogram on there. And so when I got home from the business trip, I actually like put the disc in and I looked at it and I was like, it was like fetus A, fetus B. I was like, oh, it, I'm like, it's, it really is two of them in there. And so, um, but I started bleeding on my business trip. You know, the process started. And so I felt like I was in labor. Like I started having contractions like it took days for the process to finally happen. Mm. Um, and so, you know, she said, well, if we don't, if it doesn't happen by this day, we're going to, you know, have to schedule a surgery. We're going to do a DNC, you know, to make sure everything is okay. And so the day before that appointment, it actually passed. And so I don't think I've ever told anybody this, and I'm not trying to be graphic either, but um, when it passed, I took the contents because she was like, if you can you know, salvage the pregnancy when, you know, what comes out, she was like, I want you to bring it in. And I did. 
And I took it to them the next day and, you know, they confirmed that, you know, there were fetuses, you know, and so they can kind of determine the weeks in which it stopped growing, you know, and things like that. And so I was about 10 and a half, 11 weeks when I finally miscarried. And so just emotionally, it was hard because mm -hmm. I was fully expecting to have a baby, right? This was only my second pregnancy. You know, my first, my son was like, like a breeze. <laughs> and so, but I mean, I was younger then, yeah. but you know, so it, it was just hard emotionally. How did you deal with it emotionally? Yeah. Um, whew. That was a lot. Cause what was like, it was like two emotions kind of working against each other, sometimes embracing each other, sometimes working apart, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So it's like the ego, like everybody could see that I was pregnant. Okay. I, I, at work, kids see it. <laughs> Um, you know, we're out and about. This is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's cold season, you know, November or December. Um, but still, it's like, it's obvious. So it was hard for me. That was like my first go-to, like, oh my God, um, how am I going to like explain this to people? See, because that's something that I learned about myself is that I usually intellectualize first because it's, it, I think it's just the way I grew up. That's the root cause of it. It's like the way we show up in our trauma is usually a learned behavior. So that's something that I, I realized what was going on in that time. I've been through tragic situations in my life, losing family members, you know, just other stuff like, you know, that's like, oh my God, as far as death is concerned, right? Mm -hmm. But this is like something you never hear about, something that I, I never even fathom. Um, so it was shock for a while. It was, uh, it was like, it was on pause. But then I do remember like having emotions and crying and stuff. But it was kind of, I made it private. Like I wouldn't even involve him most of the time because I didn't think he could handle it. Hey, I don't know what I was, mm -hmm. you know, problem with the whole strong black woman. Right. Job right. too, right? I was trying to be strong unconsciously. It's not like I was telling myself, be strong. It was like, this is how I've been used to seeing other people be strong in a, situ in a situation that women go through, not having known anyone that has had a pregnancy loss. Um, it was still like, okay, uh, apply this, this strong black woman to this situation. You know, mm -hmm. it was, I didn't have a rule book. So uh, to go back to your question, it was a uh, shock, uh, of course, the bargaining. I went through all the stages of grief. Bargaining, like, why this is happening? What, you know, um, anger, like, I did everything. What the fuck is it? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and then just, of course, finally happened, like, the breakdown. Uh, but I isolated myself for a while. But then some, you know, friends that I trusted, like you trust with my emotions because you know we all have these category of friends and it's some people are just meant to be in that real tight inner circle to to see your vulnerability and that's who I lean towards to and uh that that's what saved me mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. I know yeah. with mine I went into a depression I was instantly instantly so the funny thing was my co-worker 
I had I had had a dream <laughs> that I had had a, a little white baby boy. And I was like, okay, this little white baby boy is not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to my coworker because I knew him and his wife were trying. I was like, are you guys pregnant yet? He was like, no, we're still trying. And I was like, okay, because I had this weird dream about a little white baby boy. So it must be yours because it ain't mine. And so my boyfriend at the time, I told him about the dream and he was like, maybe you are pregnant. And that's when I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. And so that Monday I went to my coworker and told him about it. And so like three weeks later, he was like, how did you know? I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, we are pregnant. He was like, it was just too soon to, you know, tell other people. And so they actually had two twin boys. Oh, wow. And so I was like, and I always had this weird sense of being able to tell when other people are pregnant or whatever. And so it was hard for me because luckily, like I said, I was kind of out of the office when everything happened with me but to come back. <clears throat> and like he sent us, he emailed us sonogram pictures, you know, and to like to share in his joy. And he sat right next to me. And so it was so hard for me because I was like, knowing I had been pregnant with twins and he's having twins. Uh, his wife is having twins and it was just hard. In fact, me and his wife have the same middle name, which is, and we both Leos. It's like really eerie. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I couldn't share in his joy. Like, you know, for his first daughter, I was part of throwing a baby shower, you know? And so for the second one, everybody's like, oh, you're not coming. You're not going. I'm like, no. And like two women I worked with, they could sense that something was wrong with me. So I shared with them about my miscarriage. And so they understood and they were like, oh yeah, Katrina has something to do that day. You know, so they would kind of back me up. But I was like, it took honestly until after my due date, which would have been in May for mm -hmm. me to get past that. And so I was on antidepressants. Um, I was like, I was just not happy. I couldn't shake the feeling. And then with that pregnancy, my body just felt different. It just felt weird. And so it took me a while to get back to feeling like myself. It took over a year to get to feeling like myself. So that pregnancy changed me mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, everything. And then to know, which, you know, cause like when things start happening to me, I started researching like crazy. Mm -hmm. So to research and found out I had this infection that it's a bacteria that we have in our bodies, but sometimes it just overgrows. And with, hmm? Does it start with a B? No, it is called uroplasma microplasma. Okay. I know they test pregnant women, right, for like a certain bacteria. Yeah, but they don't test you for this. Oh, really? And so, they don't. And so, um, like, you have to have certain symptoms. Because some women may think it's bacterial vaginosis. Some may think they have a yeast infection. But it is a bacteria that is in your reproductive system just normally. But when something triggers it and it has an overgrowth, it gets out of control. Wow. And so I started doing research and finding out a lot of women who have miscarriages have this bacteria in their system. But it's not considered an STI or STD or whatever. It's just your body overgrows it. And so you just go and take antibiotics and it goes away. But for a lot of women who have had multiple miscarriages, oh. these bacterias have been overgrowing. And so some women have to take the bacteria, uh, the antibiotic for their entire pregnancy. Wow. And then also it's easier to test for in women, not in men, 
And so like you and your husband can have it. And so you both have to take the antibiotics at the same time. You have to abstain from sex until it clears. And that was the interesting thing about uh, my situation is that my boyfriend and I had it. And so we would take the antibiotics and abstain. And it actually cleared me. I've been cleared several times, but I don't think it's as easy in men to clear. Okay. And so once we started, you know, engaging again, it would come back. And so th- that worried me, like, am I ever going to be able to hold a pregnancy? Right. Because, you know, the doctor was like, you can get pregnant. That's not the problem. It's holding the pregnancy. And so, you know, and like I've read the medical research on it and like the women who have had multiple, multiple miscarriages, they usually have to take the antibiotics their whole pregnancy in order to have it because it just, it does something to the cervix and the uterus. And so... Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was just interesting to find that out because I had never heard of it before, you know, and yeah. so. Yeah. You made me think of a few things. Like I remember having a dream. It must've been a few days before my miscarriage. I, I remember having the dream that I was pushed in the stroller with no baby in it. Mm-hmm. I remember telling uh, Syriac that like, and he thought it was just strange because I think it was a celebrity in my dream too. I can't remember who it was. But I was like, I was, I told him too, I was like, I was pushing the empty stroller. What do you think that means? And, you know, of course we just thought whatever, but I always go back to that, like, damn, that's crazy. Um, and you mentioned something else uh, as far as like y- that you were on any depressants. I remember, yeah, the work thing. Oh, I, I felt like I was just going through constant, re-traumatization you know having I pushed myself to go back to work because being home was just making me feel like oh that's all I could think about and I didn't want that I wanted the distraction um and that's the problem with the whole being trying to be strong all the time uh and then kids asking and that was just so much I had I had like four interns that I was supervising to at the time and oh that was just such a hard time because People don't know how to respond to you, you know, mm-hmm. they don't know what to do. And then of course, when people would even ask at work, then I, it will, I would have crying spells. It was just, it was just a lie. I know my, my particular team was just like, you know, you should stay home. And I was just like, that is not working for me because mm-hmm. this is what I was used to. This is what I learned. Work through pain, work, work, work. Um, and when I just think back to that, it's like, oh, that was, you were doing too much, but I had no other, I didn't know what else to do. Besides. You didn't have any other outlet. Huh? You didn't have any other outlet. Like, right. how to do, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Because um, like with, with my work, at least I was, nobody knew, right? Because I, I wasn't going to tell people until after my first trimester was over. And so, um. I was able to hide my pain a little, like, but my boss, he knew because, you know, he, he allowed me the, the time I needed. And yeah. so when I got back to work, he hugged me and I am so guess a good, I guess, hugging my leadership. I was like, don't hug me. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. It's like, it's work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, he was very understanding. And so I just really appreciated him and, 
like I said, I was, because nobody really knew, I was able to like deal with it. So if I needed a moment or like, you know, if they were talking about the baby shower, I would excuse myself and things like that. And so I can only imagine, you know, when you're, you're showing and then you go back. And so did you initially, like, did you take like a six week leave, you know, like, I took like, girl, <laughs> I took only a week. Oh no. Yeah, I know. And looking back, it's like, that's part of why I was angry. Cause it's like, I was showing, it doesn't matter what, how many weeks I take back. This was my reasoning. It doesn't matter how many weeks I take off. People still know I was showing. It was some kids like, oh, did you have the baby? Because I was a little bigger, you know, when mm -hmm. you have, after your first child, your stomach, you just, you show. You show sugar, yeah. But then me, I still had fibroids that had calcified. So I did look like I was having twins or something. But yeah, it was just like, my reasoning was like, either way, I'm just going to rip this bandaid off because it's like, I was showing, people knew. And that's one thing why I got more private on like certain platforms because I remembered showing the announcement and beat myself up for that because then people are asking about it. And then yeah, just, I remember you were like, I'm going to make a separate Facebook page because like, I made the announcement on this page. And I was like, girl, don't be doing all that. <laughs> yeah, it was just like that whole thing. Like, oh, when you sh when you share, it's like you just never. Yeah, but part of my healing. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want to. No, go ahead. Okay, part of my healing was that I joined some Facebook groups that had experienced the same that I've experienced, uh, which is called um, Incompetent Cervix. Mm -hmm. And uh, another, I forgot the other term, that's the medical term, which sounds so patriarch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like incompetent, really? Um, but it's also like just weakening of the cervix. So many women now that, you know, I see or hear about like through all in person or through social media outlets have experienced this, but it's like, why isn't it getting the attention that it needs to get? Um, another, It's 1% of women have that happen to them, 1%. So I was like, really? I had to be the one? Mm -hmm. But then just hearing so many other people like uh, Wendy Williams pops in my head. She had so many, she had it. Uh, and there was this one woman on the Facebook group. She had at least eight, eight miscarriages, second, uh, second trimester miscarriages. And she was like my hero, like, oh my God, she kept going. She kept trying. She eventually had her child, but I was like, oh, this pain is too rough. I can't imagine. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how I felt. Cause I more times. I know. Oh my God. I was like, she's a trooper. And I, and I just, I, you know, I, I looked, I kind of reached out to them, you know, virtually and really uh, learned a lot from them, was able to find the right doctor for my situation. And he was of course amazing, even though he was a little racist, uh, the stuff that would come out of his mouth. But, you know, Syriac and I were both like, oh, just look past that. He is giving us the miracle of birth. Mm -hmm. but, uh, just looking back on that, uh, yeah, that was my support system. I needed to meet women that were just like me. I didn't feel like, it, you know, like first trimester, I, it wasn't that for me. It was different. Right. Their stories, it really gave me the strength that I needed. Then, mm -hmm. And also to grieve with really great friends like yourself and like um 
the circle of friends is here and hearing from other women, you know, they all come out the woodwork, right? Like mm -hmm. happened to me too, but you know, who's going to say that in random conversations when no one's pregnant, all I right. guess, mm -hmm. you know? but it was really um, comforting to hear from people that had experienced it, share their stories and give me hope that, you know, this doesn't mean this is forever. You have, you actually have a child already. So it is kind of, it's kind of weird. You feel like, well, I, you know, create this first child. It should be fine. All right. Every birth, every birth is a blessing. And we take it for granted because we just like popping, popping. Right. And, you know, <clears throat> my mother used to, you know, say the old wives uh, tale of death crosses a woman a thousand times when she's pregnant. Mm. And I never understood. I'm like, what are you talking about? I never understood it. But now that people are speaking more about what happens to your body, like when I think about Serena Williams, you yeah. know, you have to learn your body. You have to know when things are not right. You have to trust your intuition. And so just to know, we have to educate ourselves. We cannot leave it up to doctors to be an advocate for us. We got to figure things out. So, you know, I honestly knew during my pregnancy when my um, morning sickness, when it started to change, I knew something wasn't right. Like, because they were so intense in the beginning and then stuff started to wean off. And I was like, I feel like I should still be experiencing some of these symptoms. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like sometimes you just know, but you don't want to face it. And so, you know, I've had multiple friends who have, you know, had stillborns who have gone up to like eight or nine months of pregnancy and, you know, had to deliver. And I'm just shocked at the resilience of all of us because I know I saw counseling. I was like, I need counseling and some drugs. <laughs> I'm like, I need to get through this. And so just to know now, like you said, once, However, the conversation come up, people just aren't randomly sharing. Like it's once you mention you've been through it, then everybody else starts to come out. And I remember I had another Facebook friend. I mean, she had her gender reveal. She was doing everything. And all of a sudden she just disappeared. And um, we had a mutual friend from high school. And I told him, I said, since I'm not as close to her, I said, I know something has happened. Reach out to her. And so he did. He was like, you, he was like, you were right. How did you know? I said, because she was just too happy and sharing too much for her just to go black. Like, and so, you know, she was put on bed rest. She had to deliver early. The baby, you know, didn't make it. And so I'm starting to see more, especially as I got older in our age group, you know, that because um, we are, a lot of us are waiting a little later in life to, That's you know. True. Yeah. But we, we got to really take care of ourselves and be aware and notice things and be advocates. Like when my infection came up, like every time she put me on an antibiotic, I'm like, okay, this ain't working. Like it, it's something else. Because like first it was, oh, it's a yeast infection. Oh, it's bacterial vaginosis. Then finally coming out. She was like, you know what? Let me go research this some more. And she was like, you're right. Like you, you have to stay on them. They just take educated guesses. But yes, you yeah. are the expert of your body. Yep. Yeah. And so I think the more we as women talk about this and share with each other that because I like, I think a lot of people will be shocked to hear my story because I haven't shared it with everybody. But um, yeah. like the more women I know who are just going through this. So even though I've, I've 
you know, I'm kind of an old school thought and, you know, I probably, if I would not have gone through this, I probably would have been one of those people like, why is Chrissy Teigen putting this all on the Instagram? She don't need to be doing this. But now I see that's her way of sharing. She's always been oversharing. I'm like, that's just Chrissy Teigen. But I appreciate her sharing all of that with us because it lets you know, this is a part of life. This is a part of being a woman. Like, because you, like you said, we think, oh, we're pregnant. We had, we had a kid already. Oh, this is going to be a breeze. We just don't. But no, when you realize that you may not be bringing this baby home, you know, like it, it does something different to you. And so I haven't had um, another pregnancy, but I know you went on to have another one. So how was your experience having your rainbow baby? Yeah, um, man, that was, I did like, monthly rituals actually weekly just to like motivate myself to just stay positive you know push down all those thoughts that was coming in that was you know fear-based of course um do you, so I'll, I'll just go like so once i saw this doctor um gosh doctor hit I think, I can't remember, I'm sorry. Anyway, he, he's this world-renowned doctor that does uh, trans-abdominal cerclages. So I had to get like surgery, like opened up, removed all my fibroids, which was wonderful. Um, and then he put this little, I don't know, some sort of steel thing on my cervix to keep it closed. So once, I, you know, I got that and I had to wait three months for that, which felt like eternity, right? After mm -hmm. you just want to do it again like just let's just try to have another baby but I had to wait I took care of myself what I ate I did a lot of research got some books on just like let's let me just do this again coming. um and then from there <laughs> sorry it's okay from there um yeah, I exercise. I, I started doing research on meditation and uh, I found like I started getting into laws of attraction, like what, how your thoughts affect the, you know, the way you move, uh, speaking figuratively. Um, and then from there, once we were able to, you know, get pregnant again, I just every week I rewarded myself with something like either eating something, going somewhere or um, getting like some sort of self-care. Uh, so monthly I would do like massages at different places. You know, I was doing acupuncture. It was just all these different ways where I was educating myself on how to practice self-care, but also rewarding myself that I made it through another week. Mm -hmm. The baby is going, I had my little calendar. I still have this stuff because I like to look at old things and remember like the joy, the feeling of it. The, because, you know, it's good to go back uh, to do that, especially when you're preparing for something or you just want to channel those memories. I, I'm really big into that because I'm a cancer. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as it got closer, I got to pick the date because, you know, once I had that surgery, it has to be a, a C-section. You know, mm -hmm. so because they closed the you know the cervix, so um, so it was nice to do research on what date, um, and it was just so easy. It was amazing. Like with with my daughter, she came out vaginally. That was like drama, all that experience. But with the C section, you always hear how it's drama. But mine, I got to still do the birth plan for it. 
uh, I said, no, I do not want you to clean him off. Just give him to me so I can put him on my chest. Like I was serious and, and I was telling Siri, like, you better make sure they do exactly <laughs> what I want because the, you know, previous experiences with my daughter and with losing Khalil, it was just like, I felt so like nothing was in my control. Mm -hmm. As how you know when you go into a hospital, you do feel like you're just there and listen. But no, I was like, I did too much work to mm -hmm. have you try to tell me. So they were like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I did my research. I was like, here's the research. So <laughs> I felt very empowered in mm -hmm. that time. That healed me so much in so many ways. Of course, just having him be here, but the the process had me feel like I gained a sense of myself back because yeah when you do lose a child like that you do feel like disempowered I felt less of a woman somehow it's just stupid thoughts that we have in our heads based upon like how this world makes us feel as women sometimes that that just made me feel so empowered and made me feel good about myself again good about like bringing a child into this world because I realized how much I wanted another child. Mm -hmm. Like at first it was just like, yeah, you have kids. But this was like a passion where it's like, I was meditating so deep and I could see him. I could see us happy. I can see all of it. And you know, I would do that like, what was it like weekly or whatever. And when I look back on that, I'm like, oh my God, that was almost like deja vu because I, I see those same past meditation, you know, mm -hmm. memory during meditation that actually already happened. So it made me feel definitely closer to God, to, to myself, to my family. So there is so much hope This is <laughs> for, for anybody that goes through this. Like, you know, there's a lot of hope. Uh, there's a lot that you can do to get your power back if you felt like you lost it. So I definitely feel that way. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, of course it did. Be going down a roller coaster memory. I know we all we both are like we go off on a tangent. Like then what, what you say? What was the question? I heard yeah. that was an artist uh, trait. So <laughs> it must be girls. <laughs> but you know, just like you were saying before, you admired that woman who you know she had eight, and she kept trying. I'm like. Um, I have someone that I know that, you know, they went through it twice. And I was like, I don't know if I want to put myself through it. I'm like, you know, a, another time just because it took so much and my, I, I changed physically so much during it. But, you know, I was like, I'm putting it in God's hands. I'm like, you know, if I have another one, it, it will be his will. If I don't, I'm like, I have a healthy 18 year old right now. I'm like, so, and then I can live vicariously through y'all, uh, your beautiful kids, whenever I get to see them again, thanks COVID. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll have to live vicariously through uh, my other friends who, you know, are just starting to get married and have kids and things like that. So, but um, I know I, I love kids. I want to be surrounded by them. And so, you know, yeah, of, of course, we are sharing our experiences to give other women hope, to let them know, you know, what happens to them. It's not just you. Like there are other women in your tribe. There are other people who you can go and talk to about this. And just to give a sense of comfort, because like you said, we do blame ourselves. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, why did this happen? And sometimes, and I think Keisha, I told you this when um, yours happened, we don't know why, right? 
in God's infinite wisdom, you know, this happened. And so it's, it's hard to go through that moment at the time, but in hindsight, you'll be like, yo, I see. Like you wouldn't have Siku, that beautiful little boy, mm-hmm. you know? And so, because you was like, oh, you was going to be two and done. You was like, I'm two. <laughs> I, got, I got my girl, I got my boy, like, you know? And so God was like, no, I'm not finished with you yet. You know what I mean? So you, you, you don't know why. And so, but, you know, I'm just thankful that I have a friend like you. I have friends who I can talk to when I'm having a moment or when I'm going through something. And so that's what we want to build, you know, a sisterhood. That's one of the things that I really want my podcast to help with is to bring awareness, to bring sisterhood together for Black women to really start sharing our experiences and just get closer to each other and be more supportive. We don't have to be competitive. I was, like, I was just thinking that, like, this is not a competition. It is not. I, 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 I feel like one of my purposes in life is to really help other people with their purpose, mm-hmm. to help develop them, to get them to where they go and what they want to do. And so hopefully through my podcast and my website and everything, I can help usher that along. And so speaking of that, I know you have some wonderful things coming up because uh, you are a writer extraordinaire. You're a Renaissance woman extraordinaire. You do a little bit of everything, which is one of the reasons I love you. <laughs> oh, love you back. Yeah, um, so I know you've written some articles. Like what articles have you written? Yeah, most recently I wrote uh, self-care for Black women. Black Lives Matter is what the the Chicago parent wanted to call it. Um, but I uh, wrote about that. I wrote about my experience being uh, in a relationship with um, my South Asian family, um, colorism, global colorism, uh, colorism in Black community. Uh, I like to write a lot about like just being a Black woman, uh, what my experience is like, specifically being married to somebody that is of color but not black um and what that's like um and so yeah this this definitely made me think about writing about my experience but i really i like the fact that you gave this platform to to talk it out because it really it feels even more healing you know to be able to talk without shedding a tear about it is definitely show some growth Yes. There's a meme that says you will know you have been healed when you can talk about it and not cry about it. Oh, so yeah. (laughs) Oh, a meme, a a quote, a saying, whatever they call them things on Instagram. Yeah, that's what I know I've grown. If I'm not like, because I do be crying, but um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. And before I lose this train of thought, I just want to say like, uh, as far as why people are quiet. I know why I was quiet is because it seems like it was a private matter and that um, it's, it's so specific that when it comes to, you you feel like if you talk about it, someone's going to feel like, oh, it's like cooties. Like, oh, you're talking about that or you had one, stay away from me type of thing. You almost feel like a pariah almost. And then the world that we live in, the society is just it silences women that have gone through that. Why? I don't know, but there's not, I haven't seen a space where it's like, let's talk about this. 
I don't see that space. The only space I see is birth announcements and, and gender reveal and look at my belly and we taking pictures. Like I'd never see a space that's on equal playing ground with that. So mm -hmm. it does make you feel like, oh, I don't want to be the one to bring this up for the world to hear about. Right. And it, it makes you feel, like I said, so alone. But we, we, we are going to normalize being able to share our experiences, whether positive or negative, because guess what? Somebody is going to learn from those experiences. And that's the whole point. Right. Yeah. So um, another woman may be having symptoms of something and not know what it is. Well, now, you know, maybe you'll be more of an advocate for yourself and like, OK, I keep having bacterial vaginosis. Maybe it's not that. Maybe we need to do a little more research to see what else it is, because I'm like, you should not keep women should not continuously have, you know, bacterial vaginosis. Like if you, if you have enough for years and years, because I believe the maker of Honeypot, she says she had it for like eight months. And then she had to figure out like, what is going on with me and the products I'm using? And so that's when she started making the all natural products and her ancestors came to her to dream and gave her recipes. And now she got Honeypot. And so you know, and that's on the, that's on the um, container, you know, on her products, that little story is. And so we really have to get into ourselves. Like self-care is just not about, you know, massages, getting your nails done, taking a nap. It's about getting into yourself and learning about who you are as a person. So that, that's what it's about. So like, you know, I'm into astrology, right? We, we both like yes. into astrology. Getting to know myself from the planetary point of view, I'm like, yo, that's why I do that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like that explains so much. That's that Scorpio in me. That's my Scorpio rising coming out. Like, what? Like, because the sun sign ain't telling me enough. You know what? That moon, that that Gemini moon. You see, I'm about you think you're a little bipolar. You really got a Gemini moon. Like, <laughs> I'm an Aquarius moon. This is girl, we, we got salt. Look, we're going to do a whole nother episode about that, right? Because yeah. cause that's another <laughs> thing. People feel like, oh, you can't be a Christian and look at astrology. And, and my personal take is God made the sun and the moon. Did he not? That's Genesis, right? Exactly. I say how they found Jesus. They've looked at that North Star, right? When they was going to the moon. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> astrology is in there. So I'm like, it's about if you want to use it positively or negatively, you know, that's. That's every, everything has a good and a bad side. And so, but I'm like, it actually helped center me. It helped me figure out a lot about who I am. And so, girl, girl you're going to be on the show about five more times. Look, I'm just <laughs> so I wanted to show like, yeah, you see that that's all my self-care stuff. Like that's what a lot of stuff that I use before kids and now a lot, you know, candles. Mm -hmm. And I see that stuff too, like you were saying, in, in like, you know, um, church bookstores or whatever uh, so many different cultures use like a mixture of their heritage with you know, their spiritual belief system like mm -hmm. you know, doing devil worship here it's just no thing with god in multiple ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly exactly because i was like i still believe in son the father and the holy ghost you know i'm like the holy trinity i got it you know thank you jesus mm -hmm. but i'm like there are other things that can help us learn about ourselves and explain why we are wired the way we are and do the things we do so yeah. and trust me this this gravitational pull that happens when it's a new moon that affects you because oh, yeah. what god made us out the dust right 
where you think the dust came from? Like every, <laughs> so it's like everything comes to work for the good and, you know, in the end. So but like I said, that's going to be several episodes between me and you. Maybe we should just start a series, the Keisha and Katrina show. Like, <laughs> we might, we may have to do that. You can interview the woman that's like really teaching us some things too. Oh, I, I will. She, she is coming on. I'm, I'm going to get her. Yes. You know, girl. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So I want to ask you a few questions just to get to know you a little better. All right. So if you were not doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? Yeah. It would definitely be, uh, I would have like a, a brand that's just doing a bunch of creative things like books, uh, maybe speaking engagements, group work with people. Yeah, it would definitely be creative. Maybe making greeting cards for people with my pain and my words, things like that. Girl, do you still got that sewing machine? Yes, I do. That's <laughs> so beautiful. I love it. I love it. And my daughter has one too. We both just like procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> too much right. going. So what is your favorite food that you've ever eaten and where can we get it from? Oh, that's a good one. Oh my God. Uh, the first thing that pops in, hmm. oh, you know what? It's, it's, uh, cause it's on the top of my head. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you are with me like three different things. You're like, hold on, wait. Uh, no, we'll hold. Okay. For breakfast, I would say nookies. And that's in Edgewater here in Chicago. Oh, their French toast and their uh, green goddess omelet. Mm. Uh, for lunch, it, see, because it's hard for me to choose. <laughs> for lunch, it would be like anything from Native Foods. I don't mm. know if Native Foods is in Texas now, but I haven't food. heard of it. Um, for dinner, I would say Ethiopian. I love some Ethiopian. It has the flavor. It's warm. It's so mm. And Ethiopian, you can find anywhere. That that food is great. Yeah. All right. So part of my um, podcast, I like to ask about pageantry because that's one of my things. I want to bring pageantry pageantry into the mainstream. So, what is your opinion on pageantry? Um, I guess it just. It depends on who's running it, you know, like if it's women led and all that, then I think it is, it's, it could be pretty good for women, especially that you give out scholarships, you have a platform where you can like speak on an issue, push a, an agenda that needs to be in the forefront. When I think of like the actresses or people that came out of pageant, pageantry, mm -hmm. you know, right? What is it, Vanessa Williams? Uh, I'm watching The Real Housewives. I know you don't bring up Kenya. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Kenya. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I was like in a tiny one, Miss Afri mm -hmm. magazine back 20 years ago. Wow, 20 years ago. I don't see anything wrong with it. It just, it, I know it gets a bad rap when it's like little girls and how they dress and all that, but. I feel like anything, if a woman leads it, it's going to be good. So mm -hmm. as long as women get to lead it, and then you know, like, how it should look and, and how to protect women and children. So. All right. And, you know, like the pageant systems I've been in, I'm in plus size pageantry. And so it and really. It's about time. 
Exactly. And so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's really about that platform, right? Because I thought pageantry, and that's so funny because the the day you gave birth to Sunsuray, I was at my first plus size pageant. Really? Yes. Yes. Yes, on her birthday, I was at, it was in Chicago. Because remember, I was like, you want me to come to the hospital? Are you like, no, not right now. I need some time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I just thought pageantry was fun. I'm like, do I get to put on a dress, a cute dress, yep. give me some makeup and hair? But as I've gotten into it, it's really, it's about that platform. It's about being an advocate and actually being a queen. It's important to be a working queen, to be of service to other people. And so, you know, I'm truly learning about that. I'm, I've joined the board of a non-for-profit and just being able to help, you know, pour into other young women. It's like, it's amazing. So it's so much more than about being cute, even though I like I that part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, God, five years. I'll be, what, 47? Oh, God. Uh, I definitely, when I was looking in the mirror at myself, I'm like, I definitely see myself working out more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, I got to keep it tight. Oh, um, uh, I have my license in social work. That's what I'm studying for now. Thanks, COVID. Uh, through a monkey wrench and everything with that. Um, as far as I was supposed to take the test and then all this stuff happens. I see myself having a license. Um, five years. Ooh, I see myself with more places in my, stamped on my passport. I got to tell you about my reading when it comes okay. to that. I see right. myself uh, publishing like this uh, book series. You know how people are doing things with box. Mm-hmm. Um, see myself doing something like that all right i'm here for it you know i am supportive so i want everybody else to be supportive too so how can they get in contact with you how can they reach you uh you can follow me now on um instagram i have my link tree like all my articles on there um for people can read more about it if they have questions i do want to do interviews myself one day uh you can follow me at wonderlust writer creator and that where you can learn lots about black history i like to always post things about black people that people don't really hear about um and celebrate just people of color so that's that's my my niche you know yeah you are doing a wonderful job at it because like you know the past few days i've been like girl where you find this thank you so much like (laughs) yeah i'm i'm History, I really like history. Um, I'm, you know, my husband's a history teacher too, so it's like match made in heaven. <laughs> when the Lord put y'all together, he I swear, I was like, thank you. I've been through a lot with guys. This is wonderful. But yeah, uh, Wonderlust writer creator. Sorry, we go on tangents because this is my girl. Right. Like, <laughs> we gonna go off. <laughs> All right. So also on my website, uh, if you go to sevenfiguregirls.com, you will find a link to her social media, to her articles. And so you will be able to find Mrs. Keisha Matthews. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keisha, thank you so much for sharing with us today. You know, I love you. I adore you. And like I said, you will be back for multiple shows. So this is not the last time you will see Keisha. DJ Keisha, as I like to call her. (laughs) all right i will see you guys later for this opportunity bye everybody
<laughs> Thank you for listening to the Seven Figure Girls podcast. To learn more about Seven Figure Girls or 7FG, check out our website at sevenfiguregirls.com. Please subscribe, share, and rate us anywhere where you can listen to your podcast. Until next time, cherish her, embrace her, honor her, and always crown her.